Hey there, I'm Cindy Coaches, and I am the host of Pen to Paper Press Podcast. I sit down with best-selling authors, writers, editors, publishers, and creative souls in my virtual studio to talk about the process of developing our stories to completing our works of art. Each episode is an opportunity for us to explore mindsets, rules of wisdom, and the experiences that began our journey as a writer from the moment we put pen to paper. Today, Andrea Susan Glass is joining me in the Pen to Paper Press podcast studio. She is an award-winning ghostwriter and book coach, helping first-time nonfiction authors to write books and publish those books. Andrea is the best-selling author of your fabulous first book. Welcome, Andrea. It is good to have you here. Yes, I'm so excited. I love Pen to Paper Press podcast. It's a wonderful alliteration. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's really interesting how it all kind of came together. And I, many years ago, worked at a radio station. And one of the things that was always brought up was watch your words because your P's pop. And when I came up with this name, I could just hear my former boss, just, I could hear his head shaking and him going, oh, Cindy, Cindy, you're going to pop your peas like crazy. (laughs) So it does, uh, it does make it fun sometimes to, to rattle it off. So anyways, I would love to begin our conversation by exploring what is a ghostwriter and, you know, and what do you do? To someone who is unfamiliar with what ghostwriters do, please describe, you know, the role of a ghostwriter and what your process is for writing for a client. Oh, thanks for asking. Um, it's interesting, some of the things you mentioned in your intro, talking about how people got started. I got started very young writing books and putting them together, pasting them and gluing them. And I always knew I wanted to write books, but I never pursued that path thinking I couldn't make a living at it. So my first years, of, uh, when I finally decided to do some writing was probably about 30 years ago. And I found that self-publishing at that time wasn't big and um, I couldn't get a publisher, although I had an agent for a while. So I thought, well, look, if I can, can't write books and sell them, and make money off it. Maybe I can write books for other people and just get paid up front. So basically a ghostwriter writes for other people and generally gets paid up front as opposed to a percentage or something like that, because that would be dependent on the author selling the book. But an author comes to a ghostwriter because either one, they have, they don't know how to write, you know, they're not a very good writer or they don't have the time to write or they just don't want to do it but they want to have a book. A book can solidify somebody's uh, credibility mm-hmm. and show off their area of expertise. And in business, especially, a lot of people call a book as good as a business card. It's a, it's a great introduction for right. a lot of entrepreneurs and business people. Um, I work with coaches, psychologists, a lot of helping professionals. So someone would come to me and either they have nothing but an idea and we would work from scratch, possibly doing interviews, doing research, um, interviewing other people and, you know, creating a structure and then sort of filling in the blanks. You know, what, what does the author want to accomplish with the book? who's their best reader and what result do they want. And so we create an outline, which I call like a roadmap. Mm-hmm. And we would figure out how to get the content. Sometimes I call it downloading your brain. <laughs> um, sometimes, you know, we would interv- I would interview an author, but sometimes an author could just talk and record it. And then we get it transcribed because if, uh, if someone comes to me because they're not a good writer, or they don't like to write maybe they don't mind talking. So there's plenty of software and there's plenty of ways that they could talk their book. Someone else might come to me without a book, but lots of writing, maybe um, newsletters. I had a, a coach who had years of newsletters and blog posts. We created an outline 
structure and he sent me everything he'd written for years and I put it into the chapters and wove it together. So I wasn't ghostwriting from scratch, but I basically created the book from pre-existing content. Interesting. Um, someone else will come to me. <laughs> I had a gentleman come to me with 11,000 words and we turned it into 26,000. So I basically added content, interviewing him, doing research on my own. Um, I was familiar with the subject, so based on my knowledge. So there are a variety of ways a book gets created in the terms of ghostwriting. And then when you move one step beyond ghostwriting, come into editing, which I also do. And that would be someone who generally comes with a completed book, but it either needs a lot of work or just a cleaning up. Um, you know, the very beginning would be developmental editing, which you, you basically need to restructure the book, but you, you, you retain the author's words. And then uh, the very least amount of editing would be just cleaning up spelling, punctuation, grammar. And then beyond that would be proofreading, which is just cleaning up at the very end. So ghostwriting is at the very top in terms of how much the, the um, professional like me would have to do. and then copy editing and proofreading is the other end of it. So I do both and ghostwriting is definitely more challenging because when you read a book, you say, this is, this is the author's voice. The author's talking to you, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Mm -hmm. But if you get a ghostwriting client who's never written anything, they don't have a voice yet. So the author and the ghostwriter together have to come up with, what is the author's voice? Yes. And I work mostly in nonfiction. So the author's voice is basically how they would talk to their ideal reader. Right, right. Which right. is generally conversational, but clean conversational. <laughs> no ums and ahs and likes and varies and reallys and just. And, you know, I, I dislike I dislike adverbs. Yeah. Because they are slow and my favorite one is um literally because 99 percent of the people use it incorrectly right. so i do say that good writing would be conversational but clean conversational you know <laughs> without a lot of excess and and sometimes you know as a copy editor i have to clean up the varies and the jests and the reallys and the literallys and the actuallys and make it a little smoother because we want the book to sound conversational, but not necessarily exactly the way we talk. Right, right. You don't want to create a stumbling block or to, I don't want to say bore the reader, but drive them crazy with the unnecessary words. That just right, right. Slow it down, unless it's in a dialogue, you know. Absolutely, it's dialogue. And there isn't a lot of dialogue in nonfiction. The only... Um, genre that crosses the line between fiction and nonfiction is memoir right because memoir is truth mostly and you can fudge a little in memoir but it's written more like fiction and it has dialogue and description and character development but it is nonfiction. so wherever they place it in a bookstore i have no idea <laughs> but it is it is sort of the um the the uh, love child between fiction and nonfiction. Uh, and generally the author's voice in a memoir is still very conversational. They're telling their story. Right. Right. I, I like how you worded all of that. So I appreciate that very much. <laughs> so it, it sounds like working with your clients and, and going through your processes was that the main inspiration behind writing your book, um, your fabulous first book? Or what really inspired you and motivated you to, I got to get this done. There's people who need this. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, Cindy, because since I started doing a little bit of self-publishing, maybe 30 years ago, I got discouraged <clears throat> because self-publishing wasn't uh, very popular. <clears throat> and I couldn't get a, a traditional publisher, which was more the prevalence at that time. So when I went into ghostwriting, I figured, okay, you know, this is it. And when you are working, and this is, this is almost all authors' problems. 
if they are working during the day to pay their upkeep, there's very little time to write a book. And those who do get up early in the morning or stay up late at night or spend all weekend. So I really hadn't created the time to write a book. And I didn't know what I wanted to write a book about. I had either too little ideas or too many ideas. You know, sometimes it's one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And the longer I waited, the more books there were about writing, which I felt was my best area of expertise to write about. So about a year and a half ago, I was taking an online class and how to develop online courses because I had been thinking that I'm either going to write a book or create a course. Well, the teacher in the course told me that if I wanted to sell a course that was about teaching people to write and publish books, I should be an author. So that sort of motivated me to say, okay, let's put the course aside for now because the course is a pretty deep um, amount of time that's involved in putting together a course. Yeah. <clears throat> First, you write the course, and then you have to create the videos, and you create content, and you create um, bonuses, and you create templates. There's a lot to developing a course. Um, and I do know because I teach two courses right now for the University of California online, and I've been teaching for them for about 15 years. But the book was it was time for me to write a book and be an author so that I could have better credentials to sell a course on writing. Mm -hmm. So I had to think about it and go through all these ideas I had. And I said, okay, the, one of the things you have to decide when you're writing a book is what results do you want from the book and who is the reader that needs that result? Because most nonfiction books are about education. There's an issue, a problem, a need that your audience has, and the book will provide a solution or an answer um, or some education. And since I love working with first-time nonfiction authors, I said, okay, I'm going to niche myself with first-time nonfiction authors because, you know, it depends what genre you're interested in. If you're interested in romance, you probably see thousands of books on romans because i'm interested in writing and publishing i see thousands of books in that genre and i've ordered thousands of them they're sitting on my kindle so i thought the market was just too full and where could i fit in and this is an issue that a lot of people i work with have you know a lot of nonfiction authors say there's tons of books on that subject how am i going to stand out right well what i say is that if every day a couple thousand new books are written and that those people said the same thing, then those books wouldn't have gotten written. So we all have to just kind of get over it and say, okay, I'm maybe just one more person, but I'm saying it in my way, which is different from how someone else says it. And I've certainly read a lot of books in my genre and nobody has put together a book in the same format that I did where I focus on, Clarity, Confidence, and Connection. Because my book is called Your Fabulous First Book, How to Write with Clarity, Confidence, and Connection. And so I felt that clarity was the utmost importance before writing a book. My book is sort of what I call a preparatory book. You have to develop the clarity of why you're writing the book, why your reader will buy the book, what the reader is going to get out of it, what subject do you have to write about to fulfill that need, and what's your overall vision of this book? Where are you going with it? Are you just going to write one book, which means put everything you know into it? Or do you want to do a series of books, which means parse out the content over two, three, however many books? So those are the clarity issues. And confidence, you have to develop confidence in your writing because first-time authors don't have confidence in their writing. They have to get some confidence in their subject matter because they know that there's a lot of competition out there and they need to get confidence in the ability to market the book because the predominance of writers are not marketers. No. You know, unless they're business people who have to market their business and they decide to write a book, they have some marketing experience. But most of the authors I work with don't. And then the last thing is connection. You need to understand how to connect with the reader in the book because I'm sure you've read books Cindy, where you just didn't feel like you connected to the character or the author, you said, this is not worth my time. You know, right. the author's not making an attempt to really speak to me. Or when we read fiction, the characters just don't have any 
enough personality to hold our interest. So I, I show people they have to make a connection in the book to the author. Then they have to learn how to make the connection in the marketplace to find their ideal readers. And third, they have to make a connection to team members. They have to build a team because you cannot write a book without help. You need a cover designer. You need a copy editor. You might need an interior formatter on a print book. Um, I needed a website developer. I can't imagine anyone having all those skills to do it on their own. So you need to connect and build that team. So when I teach those three things in that way, I felt I was standing out and I was creating a book that was different. I didn't teach you how to write a book. I teach you how to get prepared to write a book. So, Mm -hmm. and I teach people to overcome their challenges, all that. If you set yourself up ahead of time for success, if you think in advance, what are my distractions and what are my challenges and what excuses have I made before? And you handle them up front, you won't wind up halfway through the book and give up. And this has happened in my 20 years in business, probably about half a dozen clients I've lost somewhere in the middle. They disappeared. They gave up. And honestly, Cindy, I have not found out why, because they never got back to me. They just disappeared into the ethers. So I want people to avoid that by handling all that up front. So if you develop confidence in your writing and create um, a mindset to know yourself well enough to know you either need a schedule or maybe you need a coach. Like I'm a book coach, so I can create support and accountability. Or do you need to schedule time when the family's not at home? Or do you need to close your door and put a sign on it that says, writer at work, do not disturb. <laughs> we need to look at all those things up in front. So I call it the codes, C-O-D-E-S, challenges, obstacles, distractions, and excuses. If you can determine those up front, and figure out how you're going to deal with them, you'll have a better chance of making it to the end of the book. So Mm -hmm. see, that's how I thought my book would be different because I tackle things in a slightly different way than other authors have. So you brought up a really interesting thing and you, you presented the question, why did they leave or, or evaporate, disappear halfway through and the first thing that popped up into my mind was the fear, fear of success, fear of, am I doing this right? You know, all of those different forms of fear that we all go through. And it doesn't matter if it's writing a book, painting a picture, or that was the first thing that came up for, to me was yes. fear. And that self-confidence is truly one of those things that helps to be you know, build the bridge to get over that hurdle or to, because you can't really walk around fear. You can't avoid it. You really have to look at it, face it and decide what are you, why are you here and, and move through it. Because when you try to go around it, what happens? It's still right there in front of you (laughs) going, Hey, I'm right here. (laughs) That's why some Sometimes helpful to have a book coach, or even if you don't want to hire a book coach, another author, you know, who might be working on a book. I have a friend, she started as a client and she became a friend and we would email each other our word count every day. So we created that kind of accountability support for each other. Mm-hmm. And if we had any problems with the book, we would uh, get on Zoom and we would talk to each other. So some ways to get over the fears, allow someone from the outside to look at what you're, you know, the walls that you're putting up and <clears throat> help you see through them. But I do talk about fear in the book. It's kind of underlying the challenges, the obstacles, the, the um, distractions and excuses, because if you're afraid of moving forward with the book, you're going to find distractions by hanging out on YouTube and, you know, doing what, playing with your phone, whatever you do for distraction or make excuses. I'm too tired. It's too late. Um, I have to do the laundry, whatever. But fear does underline a lot of those. And the only way we could get over fear is to identify it. To me, awareness is one of the greatest keys to our ability to improve our mindset. If we are clueless to the way we think and the way we act and our habits, and we just go along clueless, we're not going to be able to make a change. 
you have to have some awareness if you want to make changes. I have a wonderful thing that someone gave me. It says, I'm willing to do whatever I've never done in order to experience what I've never experienced. Oh, I like that. If I want to get results that I've never got before, that means I have to do things I've never done before, which means stepping through fear. Um, I'm taking a course right now online and the things that we have to do are things I've never done. And I said, okay, I'm going to do them, but I don't think it's going to work so far. It's been working. Like I couldn't believe people are saying yes to my requests and okay. (laughs) The fear is sometimes only in our head because when we step into it, the fear that the thing that we fear doesn't happen. Fear is like creating a projection. You know, the same thing as worry. Worry is projecting a future that we have no guarantee is going to happen. We just make it up. But once we step into it, oh, why did I worry about that? That didn't happen. <laughs> exactly. So, but you have to be courageous. You. That's why I start off with clarity of why you want to write a book. If you have a burning reason, a burning passion to write that book, you will let uh, go of fear. You will let go of your excuses. Because that reason, whether it's a story you can't not tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I just finished a memoir from a woman whose boyfriend at the time was killed in Vietnam. And then she married a man who had PTSD. So her whole existence was around the effects of the Vietnam War. She had to tell that story because she knows there's a lot of other people out there who have suffered. And she thought it was so important to tell it. And that's why the reason that an author wants to write a book is probably the underlying theme that will carry them through anything that stops them, the fears and the challenges and the excuses. That why has to be really strong. And you have to keep coming back to it if you lose your way. And when I work with someone who disappears, their why wasn't strong enough. You know, I... I mean, I always ask them that. That's probably one of the first questions I ask uh, a new client, whether it's ghostwriting, copy editing, or a book coaching client. Why did you want to write this book? What was it that gave you the desire to sit down? Because I tell them, look, I'm not trying to scare you, but it's not easy to write a book. Some mm-hmm. people say you can write a book in 30 days. You can write a book in a weekend. Whatever. That's, you know. that's not generally <laughs> the case. If you want to write a quality 150 or 200 page book, especially a nonfiction book, it takes time. It takes research. It takes um, studying, you know, putting together the outline and, and coming up with content and weaving the content together and having resources and maybe doing some interviews like I've done in my books. So it's not a slam dunk. And I tell them up front, are you willing to do the hard work? Right. And they and then I'm, I don't want to scare you, but after you re- publish the book, are you willing to do the marketing? Because there's no one else who's going to do it for you, even if you're traditionally published. So I don't want to scare them, but I want to give them the facts up front. Because if it's not that they don't want to sell books, but if they have a burning desire for people to read their story or get the valuable content, then they have to do the marketing. And I make it easy for them. I said, only do the things you're comfortable with. If you don't want to go on podcasts, don't go on podcasts. You know, if you don't want to do public speaking, don't do that. Do what you're comfortable with where you can get in front of your target reader. That's the most important thing. And the important thing is to be active at it and not set that off to the side because marketing is vital. If you don't cast light on it, Who's going to see it? Who's going to know? If you're not seeing, you're not seen and you will not sell because your mom only wants so many copies. Your sister, your brother, your neighbor, your aunt, your uncle, they only want so many copies. And truly, are, are they the ones you want to support you? They're not necessarily your target audience in, for, for many in many cases. So it is getting out there and being seen. And and like you said, doing it where you're comfortable, but you also, why not go step outside your comfort zone? (laughs) Well, the the only reason is because most first time authors have never marketed before. So I always tell them to start off in their comfort zone. 
Because yeah. otherwise they're not going to do anything at all, Cindy. You have to build up your confidence slowly when it comes to marketing. And I could probably list a dozen ways that you could market a book. I mean, whether it's social media or podcasts, build your email list, do things live, um, right. you know, get on webinars, do joint ventures with other people. There's dozens of ways to do it. But I have found that if they don't start with something confident, uh, where they're confident and comfortable, they will not do anything at all. So you, you can't take a first-time author, especially. Um, and a lot of my authors are just individuals. They're not really business people. Okay. Um, like the one who wrote this book about Vietnam. She has never done anything at all. Uh, I think she, she worked in a, a bank and she's a, now she's a, a dog sitter and you know she has no marketing experience at all so I say what what are you comfortable with she says I think I'd like to do book clubs oh nice yeah so you have to um find that comfort zone and I I'm not a book marketing coach I'm basically a book writing coach but I do give my authors who are interested some of the opportunities that are available and tell them what they can do. Do they want to be strictly online or do they want to go out into the world and, and just sort of guide them a little bit and say, why don't you start with this and see how that goes for you. And you can always do something for a couple of months and see if you get any traction. One of my clients wrote a book about dogs and it was a wonderful book. And she started off with an ebook, but then she started getting requests to show up at all these, um, what do you call them? They're shops that sell just animal products. Uh, oh, you're, you're like they're a, like boutiques. Oh, they're, okay. they're kind of like dog and cat boutiques, and they have food and they have clothes and all kinds of cool things. And they were cutesy kind of stores. Um, they didn't necessarily animals, but animal paraphernalia. And she got requests, so we had to. Um, I was working with a partner at the time. We had to get a print book out real quick so she could go and do these live events where she could sell the book because I always start clients off with an ebook because that way they can get any kinks out. You know, they'll be two weeks into the book and say, Oh my gosh, I found some errors. So we fix the errors, take the book down, put it right back up, which you can't do with a print book. No. Or you might get some negative reviews and then you look at it and says, Oh wow, I better fix that. So we go and fix it, then take it down, put it back up. So I always have clients at least for a couple of months stick with the ebook and then if they want to do a print book that will be the next step and I just think it's a great way to get their feet wet and I think I've taken my book down about five or six times (laughs) making changes finding things getting feedback from people and uh yeah I mean I suggest people get what's called beta readers which is early on and getting feedback and then after they had the book edited getting advanced readers to get feedback and reviews. And that some people say you don't want too many people, you know, too many cooks spoil the broth, but that's not true. You especially need to get feedback from your target reader because you can't get inside their head because you may not be that audience. You know, if I'm writing a book for, um, you know, let's say um, fiction authors, an unwritten fiction author, I don't know exactly what fiction authors need so you always want to get your beta readers and advanced readers as much in your target audience as possible so you find out if you're hitting the mark right yes and beta readers are valuable (laughs) oh my god yeah I got so much great feedback I couldn't even believe it that's wonderful that's uh, that's fantastic and you mentioned something a few minutes back and I really wanted to hit on it because you've mentioned several times that you've been doing this for 20 years you've been doing this for you know you've expressed a duration of time that you've been you know helping writers and doing the writing and so forth but what I really loved was the fact that you keep mentioning that you're taking a course for this and I'm taking a course for that or I've taken a course you are continuing your education. You're not just going, yep, I know it all. <laughs> I love that you're expanding your your education. And when we do that, that helps to expand that level of creativity in a whole new direction 
and kind of fills in some gaps in your, I, I just wanted to mention that I caught that. And I wanted to bring that out because some people just think, you know, and I've said it many times on this podcast, that it's easy to write a book, you just sit down and, and like you mentioned, there's those individuals that sell Oh, the whole sales pitch of you can write a book in in two weeks or, you know, the 21 day channel or not channel, but challenge to write, you know, a novel, blah, blah, blah. Those drive me crazy because you're how long does it take to do a first draft for many people? We had a year to write a novel. Most most novelists take about a year. Nonfiction, you could probably do it three to six months. Yeah, and it just... The idea of taking courses, though, is to... um, My goal is to be able to offer content in different formats so that people who have different ways of absorbing information... So the first one, obviously, is the ebook. Next, I'll be doing a print book of that book. And then I'll eventually do an audio book. But right now, um, I've just completed the workbook, which is coming out in July... It's instead of your fabulous first book, I'm calling it my fabulous first book, the workbook companion. And it takes the lessons in uh, your fabulous first book and breaks them down into actionable steps with lines, um, you know, fill in the blanks so that a reader is, I don't like to use the word forced, but they are forced to do the work, you know, because a lot of nonfiction books I like my uh, my nonfiction books that I work with authors to have action steps at the end of each chapter. And I find that if I'm reading a, a nonfiction book and I'm lying in bed reading it, I'm not going to do the action steps. So I created this workbook where it's totally action steps. It takes all of the action steps and adds more out of your fabulous first book and puts them into what I called my fabulous first book. And then at the end of the book, I have a way for people to contact me to get the pages of the ebook uh, ordered in a pdf format so they can print them out print out whichever ones they want i felt that would be more um, cost effective for me and for the authors i mean for the readers because if i did it in a print and maybe a spiral bound it would be at least 20 25 and so if i did it this way that people could just order the pdf pages and get the ones they want. They could print them out, create their own little workbook. The other value of that is that, and a lot of authors don't know this, is that if you have some an offer inside your book, let's say order my PDF pages, the person has to give you their email address. And that way you can start building up a list of your readers. Because if someone buys your book on Amazon, you don't know who they are. But if they go inside your book, they maybe they spent two ninety nine for your ebook, but they go inside your book and want to order something. Maybe you have a cheat sheet, you have a, a quiz, you have um, a checklist, and so in this case, I'll have PDF pages. They have to give me their email address, and it's always nice to build an email list of your readers because if you're going to do subsequent books, or like I say down the road, I'm going to do a course, mm-hmm. you've got an email list and you can contact these people, and that's basically one of the only ways I know to build a reader list is by having an offer inside of your book and collecting email addresses. So uh, the course that I'm taking right now is basically how to write online courses. And so the, some of the content in your fabulous first book will be involved in the first course that I create, but that that's going to be a little while because like I said, courses are a little bit more intense to create especially for a low-tech person like me to do PowerPoint and videos and all that good stuff, you know. I, I understand. I, I, have an, I have a strong appreciation for it. <laughs> well, what my teacher told us is that when you read a book, you've got knowledge. Yeah. If you take a course, you have knowledge plus support and accountability. If the teacher of the course maybe has uh, one-on-one coaching available or they have live uh, let's say I have a live Zoom session each week and the people taking the course can ask questions and I give them homework. So they've got support and they've got accountability. So you sell a book for two ninety nine and you've got knowledge, but you sell a course for three or $400 and you've got support and accountability. 
So people learn at different levels. And if somebody wants to read a book and they're really good and they take it in or they do the workbook and they get the knowledge they need and they take the action, that's fine. But if they need handholding and they need a little more guidance, then they'll sign up for the course. So that's why it's so nice that we can offer knowledge and education and content in so many different formats. Yes, agreed. And, you know, for, for many individuals, you know, reading the book, having the work workbook, the participant becomes very curious. Okay, so I've learned this information from her on these levels. What can she teach me on this level? And, you know, I'm sure you'll have a handful of people who are just like there strictly to take it to the to the next step because it's you and you've you've stirred up this curiosity <laughs> and they want to expand that curiosity so <laughs> you know you've got to start somewhere and it's just like yeah. with my book the first week I launched it in January I did a lot of promotion and I and I sold I say sold because I was giving away free for a while over a thousand books first week which is pretty phenomenal for a first-time author but as I slacked off and got busy with other things the sales dropped because I wasn't doing continuous um, promotion but recently one of my students at the University of California who I'm training to uh, be a copy editor and writer and stuff like that I do uh, says that she would be willing to do promotional stuff for me like a virtual assistant so that's taking a lot of a load off and I'll be able to do more ongoing because even if you send out a couple of tweets or do Facebook or do LinkedIn, which I, I like best uh, every couple of days or a couple of times a week, you've got to, like you said earlier, stay in front of people and book marketing isn't launch a book for a week and then go do something else. You've got to do things that are more ongoing. So once I launch my workbook next month, I need to get back on track with something steady. Even if you spend 15 minutes a day, every day, it's the consistency. And I always believe in plans. So, um, you know, whether my plan is to do blogs or to do more podcasts or to do social media, I, I like to have a plan and I say, what can I do every day? And you just look at your thing. Okay, from 9 to 9.15, I'm going to do LinkedIn. And then I do that every day. You know, whatever you, you decide. And basically, you have to see what works, too. I have found between LinkedIn and Facebook, I got way more results with LinkedIn um, for, I guess, for my target audience. <clears throat> and um, I did um, oh, another thing that starts with a couple of other uh, sites, but um, I found that LinkedIn worked best for me. So even though there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can market, and I said that you want to stay in your comfort zone, you also have to see what works. Yes. Yes. And, and the thing is, when something doesn't work, what has always frustrated me is how do I tweak it? Um, <laughs> I, have a, I have a book marketing coach and we look at something and we look at an Amazon page and we say, is it the cover of the book? Is it the title of the book? Is it the keywords you put into Amazon? Is it your book description? Is it your category choices? Is it your author page? Unfortunately, there's so many different elements that can make or break a promotional effort sometimes it's difficult to know and it can be really time consuming and tedious to change one thing and test it and then change another thing and test it so that's another reason like uh, you were saying before the beta readers and the advanced readers everyone loved my cover and my book cover is totally different than most books in my genre but I didn't like them they're all black and blue and boring and I like bright colors now that you say that, you're right. It is a different. You know, mine is uh, bright gold and burgundy. And, um, you know, everybody uh, has commented on it. And my workbook's going to look very similar. So, you know, kind of build a brand. But I did what I wasn't supposed to do. I didn't do a book cover like the rest of my genre. And you. <laughs> but how, do, how do I know if it hasn't hurt sales? You just don't know. So it's, that's one of the things that's difficult is how do you measure the effectiveness of a marketing effort? And that's something that just takes trial and error. 
Yes. Again, how do I know if sales are not happening on my website because of my book description, my cover, my book title, my keywords, or my categories? Um, and it's difficult to cha- change all of them. So again, you work with a coach. Uh, I have a book marketing coach. Uh, you have advanced readers and change one thing maybe for a little while. I've changed my book description about four times. So, you know, you just keep doing different things like that. And, but I'm not going to change the title of the book cover. And I worked with a, a publishing consultant to come up with the title. So I, I reached out to some experts in the field because it was my first book and I wanted to get the best experts that, that had more experience than I did. And as I learn, then I can pass that on to my clients. And you bring up something very important. And, and I spoke with a gal not too long about, not too long ago about this, which is there are so many first time writers that don't approach this as an investment. Oh, it's going to cost me X amount to get an editor. Oh, it's going to cost me so much to to get a book cover. I can just do it on Canva. Oh, I don't need anybody to edit it. I I, I know how to I know how to spell. I know I know sentence structure. They don't look at it as when you utilize the expert, you're not only using their utilizing their service, but it's their experience because what are you doing with me just talking to me in a podcast? You're sharing your knowledge. You're sharing your insights. You're sharing your experiences. Well, that's what an editor, somebody who does book covers, you know, those experts, when when you invest in in those different services or elements for getting your your manuscript into a completed book that's available for sale whether it's hard copy ebook however um having those experts guiding you because an expert is not necessarily going to tell you what to do they're going to offer suggestions they're going to offer insights and provide you with tools and you know like your workbook it sounds like your workbook is like this wonderful tool I was going to say a toolbox, but it's not even that. It's like a tool chest. I mean, it's just like a, all of those drawers that you can open up and like, ooh, what's in here? And what can I learn over there? And <laughs> what can I implement down here in this big drawer? <laughs> so, I, you know, I want to congratulate you on, on doing that workbook because I'm sure that, one, you had a lot of fun doing that because it sounds like it from what I'm picking up, like it really sparked a lot of creativity in you that it's like, it was like an expansion, like, Ooh, I did this, but Whoa, I could do this. And (laughs) really the course is going to feel like that too. The course is going to feel like a lot of creativity too. Look, I I have to advise any first time authors to not skimp on a book cover and a copy editor i have to say i paid a hundred dollars for my book cover i found a wonderful uh, fellow who was recommended to me by a best-selling author who uses him for all of his books and i looked at his portfolio and i was very pleased the thing is that you don't want to use your friend who does graphic design because when you use a book cover designer who's done a lot of books they understand what a book cover needs to look professional and to be uh visible on amazon when it's about a one inch square you know it's so small that size and you know what has to stick out and how it has to be read and then um self-published authors which nowadays we call them indie authors Mm -hmm. anyone who's indie publishing and doesn't use a copy editor is going to be in a lot of trouble There's, there's absolutely no one that can edit their own book and i had my uh, virtual assistant, who's my, uh, was my student, she copy edited my book. And as a professional copy editor, I could not believe how she improved my book. But that's the first time, Cindy, that I ever had anyone critique my writing. It was, it was just amazing because I had rewritten the book about 20 times. I kept going over and over and over. She found so many ways to improve it. And then I made, I did her suggestions and I sent it back to her. She found even more ways. So you get into a habit pattern sometimes with your writing and you don't realize that you use maybe the same words over and over. 
like this book that I recently edited with the wheelies and the chests and the bats and the, and the uh, berries. And so when someone else looks at it, they can spot that. A professional editor can spot that and f- suggest that you find other ways. They don't always change it for you, but we add comments as copywriters and we say, you might want to look at this. So you repeated this in chapter two. Do you want to repeat it here again? So I never presume, but I leave a lot of comments. And if you don't get someone else to look at your uh, writing, you're going to just overlook so much because we cannot see that the errors and we can't see the redundancies. <laughs> it's very hard to see that in your own writing. Well, because we know what it's supposed to say. We know what the intention is that is what we intended to have on the page. And yes, we go blind. I had a high school teacher who, gosh, uh, eighth grade English teacher told me, (coughs) excuse me, to proofread, read it backwards. Start at the last word in the last paragraph and go up and you'll find your spelling errors. <laughs> Maybe, but you were not going to find context errors though. Yes, we want to, we want, I belong to four writers groups in San Diego where I live and we emphasize doing your best to not bring down the quality of indie publishing and mm-hmm. do our best to rise it, you know, raise it up to the level of traditional publishing or else we're not going to be taken seriously. And why put all that time, effort and money into creating a book and not doing a professional job of it where you're not going to be taken seriously. Believe me, I have seen promotions for books. Uh, I get promotions for free books all the time. So I downloaded this one free book from an author and it's a book about writing. The cover was crap. There were so many errors inside. I could not even believe it. And he turned out to be number one in a whole bunch of categories because you can manipulate the categories. And I thought, yeah. is this what is this what indie publishing is coming to? Anyone can put out any kind of crap and get it published and, and get uh, positive reviews and get number one in categories. This isn't right. This isn't right. It diminishes the value of people who are making a, a, an honest effort to put out something professional. So, you know, we can't control it. Amazon will take almost anything. So it's really hard to control the quality. So, you know, like I say, I belong to all these writers groups and we have meetings every month and we have uh, experts giving us talks about writing and publishing and marketing. And those of us who are serious writers will stay in these groups and learn as much as we can. And in my role to impart it to as many people I work with, you know, anyone who comes to me as a client, I need to impart that professionalism is paramount if you want to be taken seriously. And if you put your effort into writing a book, that means you do want to be taken seriously because you want people to read that book. You're not going to put an effort into that memoir or that how-to book if you didn't want people to get something out of it. So you have to go all the way. You have to write and publish a professional book and you've got to put on your marketing hat. (laughs) And use your voice. Don't try to copy somebody else's voice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We have to learn how to stand out. And an editor can definitely help a person Mm -hmm. uh, find their voice. And I, I really do love it when this book that I recently added, the memoir, I told her this is good enough that a publisher would publish it, but I didn't suggest it because the time lag is so long and she doesn't have a platform and she wouldn't make as much money if she published it herself. But when I get some really good writing, I'm excited. And But now she's got to learn how to market. Yes. Yeah, marketing is important because, again, it doesn't sell on a, it doesn't sell in a box sitting underneath our desk you have to build it and they will come doesn't work <laughs> no no not at all <laughs> it does not you have to you have to make effort and and a lot of that as you mentioned is because there is such a diverse I'm trying to remember how many books are published on Amazon a day and I think it's 4,000 books a day yeah it's just crazy so I know. Let that 
divert your uh, interest in doing it, again, you have to say, God made me unique. My voice is unique. Mm-hmm. The way I handle my topic is unique. And, you my- know, if, if every one of those 4,000 people said the same thing, then there wouldn't be 4,000 books a day and we would run out of books to read. that will never happen for me because i'm an avid reader but you know you you have to just get over it get over it get over it (laughs) it's really not that expensive ultimately to publish your first book especially as an ebook and it's your experience and if you decide you don't want to ever do it again then don't but you've got to take that first step and that's why i suggest an ebook before a print book take that step and find out if you like this whole process of writing and publishing and marketing. If you don't, then that'll be your last book. But you've got to go through all the steps if you want to make it and see if it's going to work. You can't give up somewhere along the way and then say, oh, well, it didn't work. It only works if you work it. Oh, yes. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? With that, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to wrap up uh, the podcast because I don't think we could have come up with a better line to close. (laughs) (laughs) Where can people find you on the internet? Um, And you mentioned that you're on LinkedIn. So, Yeah, uh, Andrea Susan Glass on LinkedIn. Also, my company's name is Writer's Way. I um, borrowed that from the Artist's Way. So it's Writer's Way, W-R-I-T-E-R-S-W-A-Y.com. And that's where I provide my services. And then my book is on my AndreaSusanGlass.com website. That's my author website. And I will be adding my workbook to that. And then, of course, if you go on Amazon, you can find me under your fabulous first book. And in about three weeks, you'll find my fabulous first book. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, Andrea. Well... Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, you know, in the virtual studio. So well, thanks so much for today, Cindy. It was oh, really a pleasure yeah, chatting yeah, with you. I really enjoyed this conversation and thank you. Before we end our time together, I'd like to say thank you for joining us. You can access Andrea's website and the book she has written by visiting the show note for this episode at pentapaperpress.com backslash podcast to receive future episodes in your inbox subscribe to the pen to paper press newsletter and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite app take care and until next time keep your pen to paper and write know that your words have power and your story matters bye for now